day, y'all. In this episode of Resilient Business, I had the pleasure of talking with Dr. Stephanie Rimka here in Atlanta, the owner of Brain and Body Solutions, and had a really fun conversation. Uh, we talked about how she came through and overcame a broken back as a 19-year-old college soccer player, um, how she was able to choose between becoming an orthopedic surgeon or a child psychologist, and she chose neither one, so stay tuned for that one, and a bunch of other fun topics, uh, including how drinking too much water can be toxic and is part of the programming uh, that we all grow up with and uh, goes against a lot of our intuition. So stay tuned for a really fun episode with Dr. Rimka. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you like what you see on Resilient Business, please like, comment, and subscribe. And always check out my affiliate partnerships for some great products and great discounts. Hope you enjoy. So lately I've been talking with a lot of wellness professionals doing this podcast. And what I'm finding is that Pretty much everybody who's a wellness practitioner of any sort these days has gotten into it because of a personal journey or experience. And most of the time, it's not, it's not that wonderful of a story. Um, <laughs> people have gone through some pretty bad extremes. And I don't know where you fall on that spectrum, but I thought I would start with that question and just ask you sort of what was your journey leading up to where you are and what you're doing today. And then we'll talk a little bit more about what you're doing today. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely think if you're, um, in a holistic, a non-allopathic field, for sure. I don't, I have never come across anybody in my circle of friends that do this, that doesn't have a personal story. Um, I have, I'm friends with an awful lot of people who are allopathic, allopathic nurses and physicians, and they, um, many of them don't have that same story. It's kind of like, you're going into the family business. Like I went to school with a lot of Indians, like I'm Indian and they didn't have a choice. I mean, it was, yep. would have brought shame to the family if they became a college professor, like having a PhD in religion was unacceptable. You are going to be a physician and there, there is no choice, right? So many of them don't have the same story, but uh, my personal story of it, like why I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah we often have, um, well, for me, I, uh, <laughs> it's a lot it's many fold but the big kind of thing is i broke my back in college uh, i played college soccer basketball i broke my back in a soccer game and i didn't know it was broken at the time i ended up in the emergency room that night with a couple broken ribs and a concussion i did black out during the game i continued to play i didn't really know exactly what had happened um and uh after that i was having a lot of trouble running and things like that and on a run where i was just training a couple miles away uh, my leg progressively went numb from the foot to the bottom up so i kept losing feeling and then motor control and so dragging myself you know unable to move my right extremity completely my lower extremity um at 19 years old was terrifying um i ended up you know all the drama of emergency room and and um all of that and traction and going through all that and it was you know basically discovered i had fractured l5 and herniated my l5 s1 disc but didn't know it so i was you know out there functioning but continuing to run and pound and play um was was really exacerbating the problem and uh, there was so much inflammation at that point i was you know uh losing a lot of nerve function 
So the, the, you know, neurosurgeon solution of you're never running again, you're never playing sports again, you're going to be lucky to be walking out of here again, um, was, you know, for a 19 year old with a whole lot of piss and vinegar inside of me at that point in my life, massive, I wasn't meditating yet. I had a lot of, a lot of rage, <laughs> you know, a, lot, a very big tip on you, my You weren't standing for that at all. Yeah, not at all. That was completely unacceptable. That was just a, not even an acceptable place. Um, off and on, spent a whole summer, you know, in traction and on the bed uh, in my mom's place and just wasn't going well with that plan. And I eventually just had that look of the last, I would keep trying to work out. That's the guy. I'm not a very good patient. I kept trying to run as well. I'm like, I got to get fit because soccer's, I got to get, you know, <laughs> like soccer season's coming and I'm a starter, man. I can't, I'm a striker. I, I score goals. I can't not run, right? <laughs> I'm just concerned about. Season's not going to wait for me. <laughs> yeah. Like I got to, I'm going to hit it. Right. So I can't be out of shape. Um, and it kept happening and then they really, and I get that, I get they were trying to like scare me to save me, right? Mm -hmm. And I just had that look in that moment. I looked at my mom and I was like, get me out of here and you take me to Keith. I, 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 and I was like, I might've dropped some F-bombs and I never swore in front of my mother at that time. But, you know, it was, I was terrified of being in a wheelchair. However, I was like, we're not doing any surgery. We're not doing, I'm not having that. That is an unacceptable solution and I'm not doing it. And Keith was my chiropractor. And I started seeing him at 16 from another soccer injury, um, you know, cause we would play in the snow in Michigan where I'm from. And I just, and our coaches were very much into, you're not wearing any thermals. You better suck it up and look tough. Like I, I put on like football paint when I played soccer, I was very, you know, like we were, he was like, we were going to be tough and aggressive. Sure. So playing soccer in Detroit in the snow is not real bright as far as <laughs> hurting yourself, right? So you're, you're, you pull a lot of muscles that way. Anyway, so I started seeing him at 16 and I never thought um, I would end up going down that route, but it did more than save my body. I mean, he got me back on the court, got me back on the field. He got me back doing everything. Um, but it was also, it's the mental discipline and the the way like holistic practitioners, the way somebody with a power that, you know, Dr. Keith Khalil in Detroit, Michigan has to hold presence and, and like stand for you and see you completely whole and believe, you know, you have an innate intelligence and your body can do, you know, the power that made this body will heal this body. And even though I wasn't religious at all, I didn't believe in any of that. I was pretty anti-Jesus and anti-religion because I was raised in a born-again Christian homes and I went to Catholic school and I wanted no part of it. Mm. But him saying things and believing deeply, like, you know, you your body has the power of God within it and you will heal everything. And I'm just going to get you in alignment and it's going to happen. Watch. And I'm like, I'm, I'm down. Do it. Yep. You know? And he just, that's when I started listening more uh, to him saying things like, now, can you stop taking the Tylenol so much? Cause it's killing your liver. Now, can you stop? Don't take antibiotics. Now, let me, can I explain to you why you need to sleep? Can I explain to you why you need to stop drinking so much alcohol? You know, and I'm like, ah, Keith, you know, oh no, no. Right. So that kind of really started the journey, but it was a conversation with him when I was 20, you know, two, 22, 23, 22, right. When I graduated college and in that kind of time, <laughs> 
I had become a vegetarian in, in college, and this is why I broke my back. I didn't know this at the time, but my body really just got depleted. It's why it, things happened so quickly with me. My thyroid crashed as well. I didn't, under, didn't know that that's what was happening, but I just knew suddenly I gained weight. I was losing hair. I was exhausted. I couldn't think. It was a very simple, I was doing chemistry, and there was this moment of I didn't know what five times five. You know, in my equation, I had to use the calculator, and I, I just had this, and I'm a very smart person. I have photographic memory, school was easy for me. I, I, I could, you know, take exams drunk and get a four point, you know? So I, I, that I literally knew I couldn't figure out that math. I'm like, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I remember my boyfriend came in the door and I just started crying. I said, something's wrong with me. I, I don't understand. And I kept going to the physicians there at the school, thought I had mono. I said, I sleep 20 hours a day. I, I'm exhausted. I can barely go to class. I, I go, I don't understand. I've gained weight. I don't, this doesn't make any sense. And so it took about a year and uh, for a friend to say, why don't they check your thyroid? And I was like, what? I, I don't know what a thyroid was. She's like, I have a thyroid problem and I take medicine for it. And I think that's what you have. I'm like, they don't know. They didn't test you for this. I said, no. So I went through that process. I said, can you do that? And I watched just how bad they were <laughs> at what they did. And I just, and coupled that with talking to Keith after, you know, kind of pushing my body always, I would get adjusted, I would leave, I would only go when I was in pain and I was going, I was working uh, as a, it, in a schizophrenic, I was working in a mental hospital with schizophrenics, okay? I was helping, working in group homes with schizophrenics, getting them out of the hospitals into homes. So I was deciding and debating. I took a year off for medical school. I said, all right, I don't know if I want to be an orthopedic surgeon or a child psychiatrist. I'm not even sure if I really want to go to medical school. Like, this is a lot to commit. Like, am I sure this is not my ego? Like, why do I want to do this? Because am I going to, this is kind of crazy, eight years and borrowing all this money. I need to know for sure. So I said, let me work for a year and, and, and know that I know that I know. And then that amount of time, I ended up with him talking about it, getting adjusted, saying, I don't understand why when I'm getting adjusted, it's not just that my back doesn't hurt. I'm just happier. I just feel better. Everything seems like rainbow and unicorns. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what's going on? And then there was this powerful moment. He brought out the you know, dry erase and like all time stood still. He was backed up. This man saw 500 patients in a four day work week. So he was adjusting 150 people a day and he had to get it going. It was very few minutes. I don't know. I felt like he talked to me for 30 minutes. I don't know what happened. His wife came in. He's like, this is important. They can wait. And it was like this aha moment and the sky opened up and the light came down. And I said, the schizophrenics need to be adjusted then. He goes, yes. I go, oh my God, that's what I'm going to do. Where do I go? He goes, Atlanta. I said, okay. And I moved six months later. So it was a, you know, went from pain to figuring out my own mental health, my own depression. Why, when I would see him, I would not be depressed. Why, when I wasn't getting adjusted, I could be very dark and gray about the, my outlook on the world. And when I would see him, I wouldn't feel that way. And it wasn't just about pain. And so it's been a long journey and there's a lot involved with it, but yeah, it went from some sickness and breaking some bones and doing some stuff. Right? Yes, absolutely. That is, that is a great story. Um, of course, I'm sorry you had to go through all that. Um, but boy, that, that is a very interesting way to get to where you are now, to say the least, um, which is pretty much the next 
topic. Uh, so tell, tell us about what, where you are now and what you're doing and what you're offering and the types of people that you work with um, in your current practice. Yeah, well, oddly enough, it's really interesting because it's just in the last two years or one or two years that I actually figured out. So when I was in undergrad, I took tons of psychology and biology and and uh there was kind of like i had two advisors and there was almost like a battle among these two of you should be a orthopedic surgeon you should be a child psychiatrist <laughs> because everything my school is about getting you into medical school the most all the physicians in, in michigan more than half went to my little tiny uh, liberal arts school up there and and it was like it was really it was very sweet that they were kind of like in my camp knowing i didn't have a father that was a surgeon like most of the kids there i was on scholarship like you know this is it it's a do or die moment we got to help this girl you know get, get her dream kind of a thing um and it was but all of it was like because you're going to make a shit ton of money they both like you're going to make a shit ton of money either no matter what you do like orthopedic surgeon not many women can do it they go, you're tall enough, you're big enough, you're strong enough. They go, these are big men. They go, so you'd be one of very few women. You can command your price, okay? And you play sports, you understand it, you know? And I was into biomedical devices and studying those things and looking at like all the prosthetics. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. So I'm like, okay, you know? And then I was so into psychology. I just kept taking it and taking it just, you know, just would take every class I could fit in my schedule. And so that professor, psychologist, he's like, you know, you really should look at child psychiatry because all of these kids are being born addicted. She goes, they're gonna need medications and they're gonna need, they're gonna need psychological help. Mm -hmm. There's a whole field there, in, you know, name your price. You're gonna make any millions, you know? So they were like, they're all, so oddly enough, I became a chiropractor that, kind of got thrust into understanding genetics and the gut and the endocrine system because my nephew is autistic. That happened when I was in school. So I went to school to study the brain. I wanted to help schizophrenics and drug addicts and alcoholics and get people out of prison. That's what I thought I wanted, you know, was gonna do. Then my nephew got diagnosed with autism and my sister needed my help. So, okay. And I didn't know, so I had to shift gears and I got trained by a ton of, um, holistic defeat autism now physicians and chiropractors and everybody else who was doing this and it made total sense though that these i didn't know how connected this was whether it's autism adhd dyslexia schizophrenia bipolar suicidal ideation how connected all of this was because it all came down to brain health and then brain health comes down to a number of factors whether it's physical trauma emotional trauma um, or poisonous and, and gut trauma right so so i ended up being a chiropractor that can actually do physical manipulation in an orthopedic manner that does uh, neurofeedback. So I do neurofeedback and biofeedback. And so I record brainwave activity and deal with the psyche and deal with neurotransmitters and brain performance and specialize in mental health. So I ended up creating my own <laughs> combination of those two fields. So uh, I specialize ultimately in looking, using technology um, and leveraging technology to kind of bring people back into a primal state through healing the nervous system. I go directly after healing the brain um, in particular, 
but look at other branches of the nervous system, whether it's vagal tone activation through devising, devices. And so I use electricity and magnets and light therapies uh, and uh, measuring brainwave activities and feeding that back to a patient. I look at making hearts coherent, brains coherent, and then syncing that system connected to the rhythm of the earth as well. So it's a lot of intentional relaxation, meditation, um, lots of, you know, I'm just... Device, I got more device, more electronic bizarre devices, some FDA approved, some not, uh, from other countries and other places to help people um, access and control their nervous systems mm -hmm. to rewire trauma, rewire ear, eye, brain connections, whether that's learning to read, whether that's auditory processing, whether, you know, to help people try and remove those, those labels those diagnoses that end up really constricting and controlling and often holding entire families in a state of uh, prison. So in a way, I never got into the prison system. I ended up realizing I'm trying to keep people out of the prison system mm -hmm. because a surefire path, you know, road to that, you know, is a, an angry little boy who's filled with rage because he's dyslexic and no one can understand that. Mm -hmm. And can't, you know, he gets teased and bullied and beat up and now he's failed and he thinks he's stupid because no one figured out his eyes can't track, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I'm trying to come in there and figure that out and help this. No, he doesn't need a drug. You've missed it. We did, we can fix that. You can fix any of it. The brain is plastic. We can fix it. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Without a drug, fix it for life. And then let's move on, right? What a great message, even, you know, the timeliness of today's environment and society and what we're going through is just, there are ways to look at the body and fix it. And the body can do a lot of healing on its own when given the proper encouragement and tools and technology to look at what's going wrong um, rather than just the pill for symptom, you know, mentality type thing. And we see it. We see it a lot. A lot of conversations we get in today around the whole world situation, and um, you know, you have very divided philosophies on those things. Um, so I really appreciate all that feedback and and that story. I love the fact that you're using technology, um, but I also hear you talk a lot about nutrition too, in a lot of your socials and things like that. Would you like to comment on how nutrition plays a part in what you're doing today? Yeah, it's ultimately a foundation. I mean, nutrition, um, so let me say this, everything to me is nutrition. So food is just one aspect of it. So when I talk to an adult or a child, whatever, whoever's before me, whatever client is seeking help, and I, I will follow up and say this, I did use the words fixed, fixed, because it's like, it's what people understand, but I want to call it, none of my devices heal anything. Every, everybody is healing themselves. That's, that's the only thing your body can do. Your body is not mistaken. It is not deranged. It is not confused. It is adapting perfectly to the environment to which you put it in. And part of your, your nutrition is food, water, air, light, sleep, the people around you, the car you're driving, the sheets you're sleeping in, the, you know, like everything, the paint fumes coming off your walls, you know, there's all kinds of choices that we're doing that deal with our nutrition. That being said, most people think of it as food and let's fine. Let's talk about that. Food is, is technology in and of itself. 
nature is the ultimate technology. Our body is the ultimate technology. If you really go down a rabbit hole of what DNA truly is, and it's the geometric shape of how it's holding memory, it's mind blowing. The physics of golden ratio and phi of what's happening with DNA in and of itself is insane. Food is no different. Food is captured light. And it's all about bringing photons of light, right? Which are bundling along electrons and protons for us to move through our body and, and create powerful quantum biology moments to create energy, to create life force. So that being said, I want the highest return on investment for food and nutrition that's coming in, right? And the highest without a doubt when it comes to what it, does it mean to be human? What type of animal is a homo sapiens sapien? Without a doubt, when it comes to the brain and what I can do to help someone get rid of their suffering and distress of what might be labeled a mental health disorder or issue of any sort is absolutely animal-based protein and fat is the key of where it's at. Uh, and I made the grave mistake myself by being a vegan for 12 years mm. and I let it destroy my body and my brain, but I have to constantly bring people back. Mental health is brain health. That's what it comes down to. If I can get that brain healthy, all the mental health issues go away. Because even if there's some unhealthy scripts, you had some unhealthy patterns in your family, you had some trauma, it's very hard to heal that if the brain chemistry, the brain substrate in and of itself is chaotic and falling apart and damaged. And the brain is 70% saturated fat cholesterol. It needs, that's the physical structure. You are an animal. You are made of animal fats, animal structure. Cholesterol is the backbone of everything in your body. My biggest concern is low cholesterol in my patients. It's a travesty. I, I see it constantly. There's not a single person coming into my practice that doesn't have clinical depression that doesn't have low cholesterol. Mm. Every single one of them has the same kind of numbers. I can see it from across the room. They're also always going to have low D. So they have, they have a, they have a confused, they have a, a, an immune system and a nervous system that is forgetting who it is. And the ultimate derangement, really what an immune system is, it's not about these cells and all this stuff. It's about the envelope, the cells around it, remembering who they are and what their job is. They need to know their name. I know my name. So I know my role. I know my job. I know my purpose on this earth, right? whether I say I'm Dr. Rimka today or I'm Stephanie to somebody else or yo, what's up, Rimka? Either way, I know my purpose in that place with who I am, right? If my cells, the membranes around them forget who they are, we, that, that's why the body's having a hard time adapting. Mm. And the ultimate manifestation of that is something we call Alzheimer's because now the entire three-dimensional matter has forgotten who it is. But that happened down on a membrane level. And that, that a big part of that is by eating foods that no longer make any sense or not compatible with human life. So Interesting. I absolutely, I will not tolerate any patient that will not see you unless you're willing to make at least a transition to like a paleo framework. Thank and you that, for that's mentioning that's a bare that. minimum of where I, that's a bare minimum of where I start. Okay, thank you for mentioning that because I I had it down to ask you because recently I had heard you say something on on somewhere where I was listening, and uh, you were using this one screening question or topic, and I think you just reminded me of it. Is is 
if, if a person's not willing to commit to that, then you won't even take them as a patient. So that's correct. Yeah. Correct. Very interesting. Um, so a couple... I'm not, cause I'm not going to waste my time or their energy or their time. Yeah. You cannot fix a brain on a vegan diet. Yep. You can't fix a brain even on a vegetarian diet. It's very hard. So if they've come in and they're they're anxious and depressed, they're having brain fog. I'm talking they're already coming in symptomatic. We've got PTSD. We've got something going on. Well, I'm already in a deficit. I have to really get this, you know, I have to oversupply nutrition now. We've been in a deficit. We're starving, right? I can't ask an anorexic to run a marathon. Sure. That would be malpractice. I could kill them. You know, and I rightfully so someone should arrest me if that's what I try to do as a personal trainer or, or a mayor coach, you're going to kill that person. Well, I cannot do to their, their brain, they cannot go through neurofeedback and other brain modulation modalities, because that's basically like CrossFit for the brain, I'm, I'm teaching you to, to change the structure and function of your brain, I need substrate, I need the nutrition in there. I already know you're on you now we're, we've, we've been anorexic, we've been starved. So if you're already starving, I, I have to build up nutrition to even make you capable of doing the work necessary. Sure, to create the right? foundation from which yeah. to jump off of or to, to build your approach on top of. Um, Correct. That you have to start in a good in a good place. Yeah. yeah. Many people, it takes maybe three to six months before I'll even get them to where we can do the neuromodulation to do the neurofeedback and other modalities. And they've come in, they're disappointed because they thought we could, that's what they, they came. I want to do neurofeedback. I heard this will cure the ADHD. I heard this will for depression. I, uh-huh. Yeah. And your, your brain is so deprived of basics or, or entangled and enmeshed with so many plaques and heavy metals or beta amyloids. I've got to clear some of that out. Mm. We, I, you know, look at these, I need to run some labs. I'm going to look at some things. And, and then now you're in a position. Now you're ready. Now you're going to, you're going to crush it. Right. Gotcha. So instead of doing a hundred sessions, we're going to do the normal 40, 50 and you're going to be good to go. Mm -hmm. Right. But instead, I'm going to just that. It just doesn't make any sense. Like I'm going to put a bunch of people out on the road. I want you to fix a road. I'm not going to give you any shovels or any tar, or, you know, or rock. But good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. Make oh, the yeah. commitment, and you, the probability of better results is there. Definitely. Um, there's the body. You really just have to give the body what it needs and stop poisoning it, and it will always heal. Yeah. It's always it's healing. Amazing. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Your body's doing it right now. My body's doing it right now. Yep. Right. We do more of it when we sleep. That's when the most goes on. So as long as I get my people to sleep, that's not, you know, food, sleep is more important than food, yeah. without a doubt. <laughs> Definitely. There's another topic that I heard you speak on a few times that was really interesting to me and sort of counter intuitive for me anyway, mm -hmm. and probably for a lot of people. Um, and that's the subject of water. And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we've yeah. all kind of, I don't know, grown up in, in, in an environment that encourages just drinking tons of water. And I've heard you give some, give some messages on maybe that's not the exact correct approach right. <laughs> to say yeah. the least. So that's, can that's you comment really on that approach. for a second? Yeah. 
So the overall, so I taught, I mentioned it a little bit. I, I mentioned the word coherence and I talked about that in terms of heart coherence and brain coherence, and then also syncing you to be coherent with the earth. That's a very legit thing as a whole form of neurofeedback that we do. We are connecting you to the Schumann resonance of the earth. Coherence is all about frequency and wave pulse, you know, your, your sine wave mm -hmm. pulsation, mm -hmm. as you know, pulse centers, right? Mm -hmm. So that word coherent though relates to everything about you. And so really, 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 really kind of at the heart of it from a uh, three-dimensional matter perspective of what you can touch and see, the quality of your health is based upon the level of coherence of the water inside your cells of your body. So water is critically important, but that, that water is supposed to be coherent and structured in a certain way. And if it becomes incoherent, discordant, can no longer sing like a symphony and everything entangled the way it's supposed to be in harmonic resonance with everything else. If these little microtubules of crystals of communication cannot be aligned in what is called structured water or easy water, or exclusion zone water, or deuterium depleted water that your mitochondria are actually making, it's not from drinking. Right? People are poisoning themselves with the water that they're drinking because this water is unstructured, full of deuterium, full of poisons, chlorine, fluoride, benzodiazepines, estrogenic birth control pill residues, uh, often heavy lead, often copper toxic from pipes, um, ungrounded. You know, it's 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 full of uh, oxidation, it's full of, of, of positive charges that have negative charge. Mm. That is not the water that is springing up from the earth, being forced from pressure that has mineral, and so it is lack of minerals. So you are structured water, which is mineral water, which can create charge. The water that people are drinking is flat, dead, demineralized, usually full of toxic poison. They're stressing their kidneys out. They're they're flooding. They're putting on way too much work, and it's completely lacking in any sense of innate intelligence of the human system. There's a few things that the body knows how to do. We have biological markers of knowing what to do. It's the same parts of the brain. You eat when you're hungry. You don't should not be eating when you're not. You sleep when you're tired. That's common sense, right? You drink when you're thirsty. We have thirst for a reason. We get horny. We want to have sex. These are all in the same place. When people say, oh, don't have like you guys, it's in the same place as eating and we breathe. <laughs> These are in the same place in the brain, right? They're, they're that essential. So nobody ever says, well, you should sleep when you're not tired. Well, you should just sleep. It doesn't matter you're not tired, just go sleep. Well, you should just eat when you're not hungry. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you, you should right. have eight meals, eight cups of meals a day. Right. But we do that with water. Why? Why? Why are people supposed to be drinking when they're not thirsty? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's been trained into people like and then that's just part of the training of not learning to have any interoception and being able to feel and be aware of their own internal signals. People are becoming, you know, so like a slave to a phone app to tell them when to drink water, when to sleep, when to fast, when to eat, when to meditate, when to breathe. I mean, seriously? I mean, even when to, when to you know, 
have sex. I want to say the other word. When to do that? Because, you know, oh, I'm ovulating. Oh, my temperature's up. Oh, fertility. Because now nobody can get pregnant as well, right? So no, I'm not a fan. You should drink when you're thirsty. That water should be as structured from the earth as possible coming up from a spring it should be full of minerals it should have a, and if you can't do this you should clean it you should spin it you should vortex you should have crystals with it the way it would come you should add minerals into it you should never drink when you're not thirsty i don't believe in any of this eight glasses a day nonsense there's no science behind it and the worst trend i'm seeing is everybody doing this gallon a day drinking mm. it's dangerous it's toxic uh, and it's it's flooding you often with more poisons than you realize. And it has nothing to do with your cells being hydrated. Your cells are hydrated from your mitochondria. And that comes from uh, basically the best way to eat a lot of fat to be ketogenic. That's how they make a lot of water. That's what's actually happening. And that water is a very unique water. It's a signal molecule. Mm -hmm. It's not what you're drinking. It's not how it works. That's just some flushing of the of the colon and this. I'm saying if you're thirsty, drink. And drink, make it the highest quality water you can find. Sure. But when people are living, eating kind of a natural primal diet, you'll find out and they're really, really ketotic and they can grab all the fat off their body. They're not thirsty. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not that thirsty. Very it's people who can't do that that are thirsty because their cells and every patient I have, the people who drink the most water are always the most dehydrated. I run the labs on it. I see it. I'm like, they're always the most dehydrated. It's because their mitochondria are so unable to um, be ketotic, you know, they're, they're damaged. They have a heavy metal or something like that, mm-hmm. or they eat too many carbs, that kind of thing, but we can heal that obviously. Yeah. That's a, that's a fascinating topic. And that could be a podcast all of its own, of course. Um, but I, I, I love, I just loved it when I first heard you talk about it, totally counterintuitive. And it's just, to me, it's just another way people have been sort of programmed throughout their lives, um, to just, comply with a certain way of doing things that's not innately even, you know, needed and counterproductive as, as you're putting it. So, um, definitely appreciate that feedback. Um, one other topic was, I was, I was curious to know, uh, we call the show resilient business. And a lot of times we talk about what did your business look like before 2020 and how does it look different now? And what have you changed? What have you learned? What's different type thing? And so I was specifically wanted to ask you, are you seeing um, when you when you have your patient flow coming in now, how does that look different than it was pre-COVID, for example? What are the sort of the main changes or main things that you're seeing more of, would you say? Mm, I mean, it's much worse. Um so I'd say I always saw a lot of healthcare workers. So a lot of nurses, therapists, psychiatrists, physicians are my patients. Tons of them see me because I offer a very unique thing. They want the neurofeedback very deeply, right? Um, but I would say probably 75% of my new patients are healthcare workers, are nurses, physicians, therapists. Um, you know, like, like every single one, I think, except if they're, unless they're a kid, I I really, at this point, I think everybody in the last couple of months, they're, they're RNs, other counselors, they are drained to levels. You can't imagine, um, healthcare, uh, any, I don't care what it is, uh, exhausted, drained, Mm -hmm. overwhelmed, um, because everybody coming in is, 
not doing well. So we have levels of anxiety and depression in children we've never seen. We have developmental delays and damage on, on children now from, from the masks, from the not going to school, from sitting in front of screens all the time. You know, we got four-year-olds that are spending four, five, six, seven, eight hours a day in front of screens, parents, you know, like it's the the neurological damage and and I, we just don't know what's going to happen. Then you add on these unknown experimental gene therapy injections and the damage and I've seen been seeing tons of damage and reactions and we're all at a loss we're all trying to figure it out you know none of us have answers um we have guesses but maybe this maybe that well what I know about the music well, let's try this so now it's a whole world of well I know this modulates the immune system. I, don't, I know this modulates the vascular system, but that's what's going on. What's going on? Why do we see all the? I've never seen vasculitis in this many people. Like what? I'm like maybe the shot, but then maybe it's this. That's where you're at. So in general, I know it's it's way more time um, studying and researching, talking to other doctors, us getting I mean, hours on podcasts, hours on on BitChute, hours on Zooms with each other. What are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Have you tried that? I mean. At this point now, it's like we're just throwing stuff on a wall practically because, you know, I, I know a neuropsychiatrist that has hospitalized six adolescents in the last 20 days. He's like, I got never in my 30 year career been hospitalizing kids at this rate. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm, what are we doing? What has happened? So it's, it's not fun. I'm going to tell you, it's the hardest time in my career. It's most of us, so we talk in private circles. It's the first time many of us are saying, I don't, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Yeah. We're, we're tired. We're very tired. Yeah. So um, that, that's just the truth of it. So I actually, you know, with COVID, when it happened and people were scared, I lowered, you know, people are losing their jobs. I'm like, so I'm like, well, I'm going to make, I just lowered prices on everything because I'm like, people are terrified. I can't, I now courses I used to charge for, I give away. I'm like, just take the immune course. Everybody just needs it. Just, just give them, a, give it to them. If they want the information because trying to counteract the, you know, mainstream media onslaught of lies is so overwhelming. And people are just, you know, for me, I, I watching people, I feel like being walked off into the slaughter and they don't know it mm -hmm. is terrifying. And, and they're damaging themselves and their children and they don't, I don't think nobody wants to do that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been hard. Yeah. So it's a much more severe problem. It's much more anxiety, much more depression. Um, and, and lack of ability to get referral partnerships going because everybody's full, everybody's overwhelmed. So many people have had to shut down or close, and because we're doing it in this model, like whether it's whether it was the distancing or the reduced hours or the Zoom, you can't see as many people. So all of us, like, are we, we can't? It's I cannot see as many people on Zoom as I can in person, right? You can't. There's just certain things about it that have changed. So getting people in and getting them help has been very, very hard. And and places I refer to. Um, that we're, I was in good, good partnership with before, we now have very divergent ideas 
And so I've lost some relationships. We've lost good work. Like, God, they really did that well. But I mean, I got my clients are like, I'm not doing that. I, I won't be treated that way. I don't, you know, so I'm like, oh boy, uh, that's not good. So um, I've had to make changes and I, I, I resisted like remote neurofeedback for many, many, many years. I never did it. And I finally have had to concede I'm doing remote neurofeedback now and just just finally saying, even though I've been doing this clinically for a very long time, I'm sending them to people trying to get them the neurofeedback and they can't get it, they, you know, this for all of these reasons. And I was like, oh no, that's, that's not, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And as much as I think being in my presence, we might get better results. If they can't get any results, if they can't see anybody remote has got to be better than nothing. And in fact, they've actually They've actually made it really good now and it's much easier for the clients. It used to be too overwhelming. I thought there's no way people can do this at home. Now with the ease of, of the dry sensors and the cost coming down dramatically on me that I could afford to buy a bunch of gear. I'm like, okay, I can buy a whole bunch of things and I can, I can send stuff out and we can help people. I can do it in a remote fashion. So that's a very big change that I agreed to do it because I couldn't get people, I can't get people help. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either like the people are full or you've got to go to a forty, fifty thousand $50,000 program. Like I, there's no, there's no in between for, for regular mom and dad to help their kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, boy. Yeah. Challenging times. And I know your patients are very appreciative of the way though, that you sacrifice. And I've also heard you talk about, um, just your practice taking a toll on you more than it ever has personally, physically, emotionally with your rest and your energy levels and things like that. And that's just a huge sacrifice for your patients. And I know that they have to appreciate that um, and love you for that. So um, I would go off in another bunch of directions with you, but I know we're a little constrained for time. So in wrapping up, and maybe we could do this again sometime, hopefully, uh, but in wrapping up, if people want to get in touch with you, I know you're on Instagram because that's where I found you. Um, but what's the best way to get a hold of you these days and find out more about Dr. Rimka? Uh, probably the website. I mean, it, it, that'll take you to all the social media. If that's some people, everybody, everybody's different. Some people love Instagram. Some people hate it. Some people want Facebook. So I have an Instagram, um, you know, and I have Facebook business, but the website uh, is either drremka.com or what my practice name forever has been is uh, brainandbodysolutions.com. And that gets you kind of the entry to whether you want to shop in my online store, you want to look at some of my courses, online courses, you want to see the retreats I do, you know, like you want to become a patient or, you know, you just, you know, you want to feel me out, whatever. It's all kind of right there. You can contact us, follow social media from there. It's kind of the best way, I, I think, then you can get a feel. Um, I, the website now is very, very sparse. I used to have a very content heavy kind of website with lots of science and it, I loved it. <laughs> but a lot of people were like, just, I eased it back. I'm probably going to bring a lot of the neurotech uh, information back on there soon. I'm rewriting a bunch of stuff, but it kind of gives you a basic gist of this is what it is, but you can contact us through there. Excellent. Well, we'll include all that below. And Dr. Rimka, we certainly appreciate you being on Resilient Business and we hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. I'm so happy to be here. And I'd love to come back. I, I really would. Excellent. Let's do that.
Cool.